Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Human Design with Victoria Jane. Here we have candid, insightful conversations about human design and what it's like living your experiment. We'll hear from entrepreneurs, healers, and growth-oriented folks as they practice living their design. And we use these conversations as a space to share the challenges, wins, the ahas and learning moments of living in alignment with your truest life. There's no one right way to do it, and these conversations are here to reassure, expand, and inspire you on your own human design experiment. Welcome back. It has been a quick minute and I am very excited to be recording again. And today I wanted to talk about my experience with the spleen because it's been a really interesting journey for me as a splenic authority to understand how to hear and relate to my spleen. And I don't think I'm alone in this because I get so many people coming through in sessions who are splenic authorities and, you know, we can read the description of what the spleen is, but hearing it and knowing how it shows up in our day-to-day lives is a little more confusing sometimes. I was totally in that boat for a very long time in the early days of learning about my design and just learning more about human design in general. So I am excited to be talking about this. I was there with you if you're listening to this and like, I hope I learned something because I'm not totally dialed in yet because I didn't get it at first and I have so many different experiences and learnings that have come up that I can even feel my perfectionism kind of popping up right now because it's like, I want to share everything and I know I'm going to finish recording this and remember things that I forgot to say, but I'm just going to set the intention to release that and trust that what's meant to come out will come out. And, you know, we can always do a part two. If you have more questions, let me know or want to hear more. And just before I get into the the bulk of what I wanted to talk about, I wanted to say that the way I'm approaching this conversation today is more about sharing a set of personal observations and examples and my journey, which fits with the intention of this podcast of sharing different people's experiences of living their human design experiment. If you want a more structured overview of what it's like to have a splenic authority, or you have, well, everybody has a splenic center, but or if you haven't defined your spleening, but you're actually a different authority, I'll be releasing a set of videos on each of the authorities really soon. They're done. We're just in the process of setting up everything online. And that is where I would turn to if you want more of the technical information, which I'm really excited because I've each of the authority videos I've made a PDF to go with. So it has notes. And then there's also questions to ask yourself so that you really have support to practice your authority. So you don't have to take notes if you're somebody who does better just listening, or if you are somebody that likes to take notes, you can cross-reference what you absorbed with that set of information as well and see if there's anything new you pick up. And my intention here was to really deliver information that I find myself sharing over and over again in readings, and it, it just makes so much more sense to make this available so that 
you can start learning on your own. And then, you know, some people are, that's more than enough. But if you do decide to go deeper into reading, then we can hit the ground running with your actual experiences and fine tune, which is so much more, I think it gets you so much further in the journey. So check that out. I'll either link that in the show notes, or if it's not ready yet by the time I release this episode, then just sign up for my email list and you'll be the first to know there too. Okay, so splenic authority. My rough timeline, kind of, I see it as having like three broad chapters, which I'll get into. The first the first chapter was this like, what is my spleen? Where I started and just being confused, conceptually getting it, but not really hearing it. And then the second chapter was deepening into learning, okay, this is my spleen, figuring it out in my own language and starting to just have these really small examples of, okay, that's what it is. And then, you know, a lot of experimentation until finally, and I'm kind of probably missing pieces again, that perfectionism, but ultimately bringing us to today in the current moment where it is much, I don't even want to say that it's louder than it was before, but I've cleared away stuff that was clogging, that was between me and the voice of my spleen. And so it sounds louder to me today. And I have some examples that I'll share there of how it's shown up. So when I first found out I was a splenic authority, I remember hearing, okay, the spleen is an instinctive authority. It's intuitive. You get a knowing that's not mental. And one part of this that was incredibly validating and one of the things that really convinced me human design was real was actually differentiating the fact that, oh, as a splenic authority, I'm not a sacral authority, that I don't feel things in my gut because I had spent my whole, I don't know, yeah, most of my life hearing like, you know, when the common advice for overthinking decisions is, oh, we'll just go with your gut. And when I heard that, I would think, okay, my gut, like, what do I feel in my gut? And I would feel nothing. <laughs> and then I would get in my head about it and think like, okay, like, is this what I'm feeling? Is that my gut? Is this other thing that I'm feeling my gut? And none of it ultimately was. But that makes sense now because I'm not a sacral authority. And so while I was, you know, that initial language of hearing, oh, you're intuitive, I didn't think of myself that way. So while learning I wasn't a sacral authority was incredibly validating, hearing it that I was a splenic authority and learning about that didn't necessarily click at first for me because I didn't, yeah, I just didn't necessarily, like I wanted to be really intuitive and now I certainly, that certainly resonates with me. I was pretty disconnected from my spleen for a number of reasons and it was one of those like, that sounds nice, but I'm not sure, like really? And in terms of the other factors that play into this, so for myself specifically, what gives me my splenic definition is my is a channel from my root to my spleen, the eighteen fifty eight, and it's in red, so it's considered unconscious, meaning that this is a part of my design that I'm not as aware of. So my splenic pings come more from my body than my mental awareness. Unless I, if I'm coming to this information for the first time, I probably am not going to be as aware as somebody with this channel in black. And so to go a little deeper into that, the second thing is not only is my definition on the unconscious body side of my chart, 
my physical body at the time was really burnt out. So every center in your design is related to a physical body part, and the spleen is technically related to the immune system. So the spleen can sense if things are safe or not, if things are healthy or unhealthy, right? Very immune function related. That said, and I want to make sure to not confuse anyone that, again, the spleen and the immune system, that's the connection. But I also think about the spleen in relationship to the nervous system a lot. In my personal study outside of human design, just of the nervous system, the psychoneuroimmune system, which I know is a mouthful, but really is just about the connection between how our thoughts affect our endocrine system, which affect our immune system. They co-influence each other. A big part of being able to tap into the splenic authority for myself in my observation has been the nervous system's relationship on the immune system. And my definition specifically is from root to spleen, as I've mentioned, and the root is related to the adrenals. So I have consistent access to adrenal energy, adrenal production, and we know that the adrenals actually affect the immune response. So for example, if let's say you're let's say you're like home sick and you have a stomach bug, right? And you don't feel good, you need to be using the bathroom, your immune system is kicking in. Now, if somebody comes to rob your house, right? You're, this person has terrible luck. This is just an example. So if someone comes to your house, like some intruder, and you realize like, oh my gosh, this is a dangerous situation. I gotta, I gotta run. Your adrenals will kick in, right? That cortisol. And you're gonna, your body is going to suppress the immune response. So you don't need to use the bathroom because the bigger threat is oh, I got to run. Like, I got to run away from here, right? So that's a simple example of how the, the root affects the spleen and affects that immune response. And so similarly, and again, I, this is my interpretation or my observation of kind of pulling from other pieces of information outside of human design, I see in looking at my own physical burnout at the time that because I was so on a sympathetic arousal response, and my own nervous system was so ramped up that it really suppressed my immune system physically. And similarly, if we look at that, that parallel between what's happening physically and then energetically with my design, it's like, oh, well, of course, my defined root was pumping all, all this energy out so that I could keep up, but then also overriding the voice of my spleen. Because in order for us to, again, for the immune system to be really functioning well, right? For us to be resting and recovering, it has to be a safe, calm place. So a huge part of strengthening, hearing, and developing my own splenic instincts and following my authority was this physical healing because because of my definition, because of how my own definition with the root and the spleen relate to the spleen's ability to function. I hope that made sense. I also actually go more into this a bit with another episode that I'll have out soon with Unique Hammond. Many of you know that part of my physical healing journey in order to actually feel calm and to help clear out all of the stress chemicals, hormones that my body is great at creating and, you know, as a sensitive person, has been the BEAM protocol. So Unique is a health coach, nutritionist that's a practitioner of this BEAM protocol. She too has a defined root. So we nerd out all about that. So 
that's kind of a, a tangent that you can go explore if you want more of that. But that's where I started, and now we're starting to veer into how I started understanding the spleen for myself and experimenting with it. And this was a big piece. Whereas, you know, the very beginning, I was like, I don't know if I'm intuitive. The more I started to realize, oh, the intuition that we talk about when we talk about the spleen is deeply primal and it's deeply instinctive via this, if you think about this immune response, like this health and vitality that we see all. All, be, all creatures in nature having, that started to ground it in a little bit more for me. So that's another, that's the physical piece. The other piece that I'm sure had a huge effect in me continuing to open up to the wisdom in my spleen was around the mental emotional, I'll call it, uh, deconditioning. Because there's an interesting connection I see between the role of trauma that we go through and the spleen. Because if the spleen is all about what's safe or not, right? Our sense of safety relates to how our nervous system has been programmed. If we default towards, say, a fight or a fight or a freeze, if we've been conditioned to override our instincts. So I think a lot of women or, or yeah, I think a lot of women will relate to this where, you know, maybe we get a, an ick, an ick response to a person or a situation but we're conditioned to be nice, to be polite, to go along with it. Maybe there's a weird dude at a bar. I mean, I haven't been to a bar in ages, but you know, there's like, uh, like just that, that instinct, that splenic instinct. But then we're told to smile or like, oh, don't be a bitch or whatever it is. Right. And we, we learn to override our instincts and it becomes normalized. And so that, I mean, there's a whole there's a whole, whole lot there that we could unpack that I won't get into now, but that was a big, that's been a big piece of my reconnecting to my spleen as well. And a book that I'll mention here, and I'll, I'll link it in the notes too, and it's been a while since I read this. I think I first read this, I mean, at this point, it's probably been like maybe like seven years. It was definitely before I found human design, but it's called The Gift of Fear, Survival Signs That Protect Us from Violence, written by Gavin DeBecker. And I think for for anyone who's a splenic authority that feels that's like, oh, maybe I get these pings sometimes, but like it, it all happens so fast and I don't even know how to act on it. This book was incredibly empowering around like just owning, oh, this is what I feel. And like, if this doesn't feel right, I'm just going to leave. Or like, if this person's giving me a weird vibe, like I don't have to be nice to them or I'm, just, you know, and that's huge to reconnect to the spleen because a lot of times, I mean, a hundred percent of the time, I'll say in my experience, the spleen is not trying to be nice. It's just that instinct. And so whatever comes through, comes through. And, you know, from a social lens, it might be seen as rude or any of the other things, but that doesn't mean that it's wrong. So all of these things are starting to sink in and then I'm like starting to experiment a bit more. Let's call this the, you know, like year two-ish of my journey. And I start to be able to observe myself making really like more approachable low stakes <laughs> decisions around things like food. And, you know, as a taste person, I'm like, of course I would go to food. But I also think food is so accessible for everyone, even if you're not a taste determination or cognition. So I would notice myself being drawn to want to eat certain things that didn't necessarily like let's say I had 
three different things I could make for lunch, but I just feel a little more drawn to one over the others. I would recognize that as my spleen because it wasn't logical. It wasn't the mind. And then I'm sure there were lots of other small moments, but they were so subtle that it's hard to recall now. And again, because this was earlier in my journey, things were not as obvious to me. So so besides the food thing where, you know, again, I was really relaxed, I could have the space to notice myself. The other splenic instincts, decisions that I noticed were really big. They were, they were like hammer over the head. And they were really related to survival. So, you know, I've shared other parts of my my journey on this podcast and in other places, so I won't repeat too much of it. But one example here was when I actually finally realized that the health issues I was going through, there was something not okay about them, that I couldn't keep I couldn't keep doing what I was doing, just trying to hold on and pull it together. I almost imagined myself like on an iceberg that's cracking with like my hands and legs trying to just like hold it all together. The moment I realized like, oh, this isn't working, that felt like a splenic recognition to me of sitting in my therapist's office and her saying, you know, it's not normal to lose your period because you're so exhausted and stressed out, for example. And because, again, like that, that health undercurrent is so strong for, has been so strong for the way that I connect to my spleen. It's like, you know, I heard her say that back to me and I could feel in my body, I could feel in my nervous system, oh, this exhaustion, there is a not okayness to this that I've actually been carrying for so long. And maybe it's been habituated, but in that moment I could get some perspective from it and realize oh, fuck, you're right. (laughs) And that was the survival that kicked in, that knowing in the body, this isn't good for you. And, you know, there had been many, many moments prior to that, like a couple years, where this had all been happening, but I wasn't hearing my spleen. It took me that long because my mind at the time was so strong. And this is where, again, I know a lot of splenic authorities get just to have to have to learn, right? And we're experimenting. It's like, what's the mind? What's the spleen? And I had chosen consciously or unconsciously up until that point to really stay in my mind. So, you know, I had already worked with an FMD and had healed and then relapsed. And I was doing all these things in my physical life, like taking urine and saliva samples to like measure my hormones only to confirm that, you know, I didn't, really have much left. But that was all at the mental level. And the moment with the ther- in the therapist's office, that knowing came from my spleen. Like it, it, And I feel like, you know, this is a question too. It's like with sacral authority, you can feel your gut, right? Can you feel your spleen? To me, I feel like I can. I feel it more in my nervous system. It's like that primal bodily knowing. For example, I imagine this might be how like a goose knows to fly south. It's like it just feels it and spotty somewhere. It's like, oh, that's the knowing that I feel in my spleen. So those are some early examples. And where I am today, and it's still unfolding, which is so cool, actually. But between that moment and now, of course, there's been a ton of deconditioning that I've gone through. And I even, even as I say the term deconditioning, I can feel myself like, hesitate a little because I think a lot of times we 
get into this belief that there's this perfect end state around deconditioning, that we can just be like perfectly deconditioned and then that's it. And I, I really want to dispel that. Like there's tons of conditioning that's great for us, right? Like when we're around other people and when there's, I mean, we all are feeling the energy of the transits and that's all conditioning as well. So the deconditioning that I'm talking about here is more that kind of like heavy stuck stuff that I didn't, that I wasn't conscious of, you know, growing up or early childhood, et cetera, that allowed me to come back more into myself and my perception of the world via the spleen. And a couple of ways I've noticed, I've just like really heard my spleen so clearly recently, let's say in the last few months, has been one with dating people (laughs) and I mean it's just so funny because I'll meet someone and within five minutes know oh this person's not like just no (laughs) it's it's that simple like also there we go with the spleen again mine uses words but it's usually never more than a sentence or a phrase even I mean I guess no is a complete sentence as they say right but it's funny because then what will happen is immediately after my mind will start to explain why, which is great because I, you know, I like, I like that. I like kind of analyzing and breaking things down, but that's not where the the mind explaining why is not where the knowing comes from. So for example, my mind saying, well, this person seems to like to talk about himself a lot, but doesn't ask that many questions. Or, oh, this person, when they're telling the story, seems a little judgy about their politics or whatever it is. That's, again, that's not where the splenic no came from. It came from, it like processed at a subconscious level, not at the mental level. But then it'll happen and I'll get the ping and then later in the mind will come in and explain a little bit. So that's an example. And... This is really hard to articulate because it's just this feeling, this knowing in my body, right? But I can say subjectively, in my opinion, in my experience, that these examples of so quickly recognizing whether someone is is for me or not recently compared to how it felt, let's say, a, a few years ago when I was meeting strangers, not that I was dating, but just meeting new people and getting a pulse on them, it is just a lot clearer. Like I'm not, I can, I, I immediately recognize it and I'm not doubting and questioning myself. So that's one example. The other, this, this is also with a person, but my, so my dog has been having some anxiety issues and I was looking for a trainer to work with to, to help with this. And because I think between I think between my open taste, which likes to sample, and my fear motivation, which likes information and researching, the way I typically will go about making a decision is I like to have a few options to test out. And then, right, so it's like different options because I want to cover like all the different information, like try a full range. But then once I try the option, I pretty quickly know between (laughs) with, with the spleen that oh, like I like this person or I don't, or they'll be a fit or not. So with one of the trainers I interviewed who who wasn't a fit, I remember talking to her on the phone and immediately was like, hmm, she has a weird vibe. (laughs) 
But I didn't want to write her off again because fear motivation was like, well, you know, let's just see. And and that's another point too, right? We can hear our spleen, but it'll keep giving us information. And so in this case, like even though it felt a little off, I was like, I, I still want to research this. So we ended up meeting in person and so that she could also meet Cloud. And when she did, some of the suggestions, so it's supposed to be an, an hour meeting, by the way, but within the first 10 minutes or so, based on some of the suggestions she had and the questions she was asking, again, heard the spleen, hard no, <laughs> hard no. This person, don't want to work with her. And at this and at this point, like, you know, my mind hadn't, I hadn't had the space to, to process why yet. I was just like, mm-mm. And something different for me, by the way, that I'll say is like, we can hear our spleen, but then acting on it, you know, is another step in the journey. And this goes for all authorities, right? We can hear our spleen, you can feel your gut no response, or you can be a mental projector and or potentially even a reflector and be in an environment that feels off. But are you going to do something about it? Are you going to take action? And in this case, this is new for me. So this is actually a fresh splenic authority experiment report. I actually told her in the moment, so within you know the first 15, 20 minutes of this hour-long meeting, I actually don't think this is going to be a fit. And I think because this wasn't for me, but it was on behalf of someone or some, well, on behalf of another creature, that it almost made it a little easier for me to like play the, the quote, more tough role or like the not as nice role. Because I was just like, no, absolutely not. This person is not going to be good for cloud and i i don't want to waste my time and it was just so clear and again when i think about myself a, even like a year ago i don't know i would have done that in the past i think i if i were to guess i probably would have just sat out the hour the whole time thinking Meh. <laughs> but it became easier this time i think in part because it's been you know several years experimenting and at this point i I have enough trust in my spleen to know that when it's a no, like it's not going to change. So might as well, right? And then also to go back to the earlier, more mental, emotional deconditioning, I feel resourced and safe enough in myself now to know that I'm going to be okay if I say no to someone that directly. So anyway, I said that and it was actually great. She was like, you know what? I agree. (laughs) And she ended up leaving and it was fine. And I paid her for the whole session. And then afterward, again, I was able to rationalize why. So I looked up, for example, the name of the trainer that she said that she studied with, that she name dropped. And when I looked him up, there were all these articles about how he's been totally debunked and that like his own dog had behavior issues. And I reflected on some of the the things that she had said. And while in the interaction, I could just feel how I felt in my body, like the tone of, ooh, like I'm contracting a little bit. When I had the space to reflect from a cognitive mental perspective, I realized, oh, you know, she was using language that was kind of blamey, like trying to find the source of the problem as opposed to really offering solutions, like like blaming in a way that wasn't helpful, like <laughs> as opposed to like trying to find the root cause of the problem, which is different. And she also spoke from a very like human-centric perspective as opposed to, well, what's going on for Cloud and like how might he feel, right? So that's the breakdown of that situation. I think that's everything that's relevant for that example. Main point being, again, this interplay 
now between how I feel my spleen and how the mind can come in and, you know, give me a way to translate my decision outward, but it in no way plays a role in how I actually make the decision. And maybe just to contrast this, hmm, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but we'll go here. So maybe just to contrast this, because I think we can also learn from the opposite experience. Like I just laid out, oh, I'm following my spleen and it went great, right? Like what about when you hear your spleen, but the mind is conflicting? And I don't, I won't go into the details too much for the sake of people's privacy, but in my last relationship, there were moments, and and I didn't know it at the time, but in retrospect, I can very clearly identify several moments where I could feel a splenic no in my body, that sort of nervous system contraction, this feels off, this isn't safe, da da da. But then my mind would convince me out of it for various reasons. So maybe, yeah, maybe I would feel like I would hear a no or I'd hear a this isn't right. But then my mind would play out, well, what would that mean? What are the consequences? And I would, and the, my mind would so quickly go into rationalizing, explaining, well, actually, you know what, that's not, we don't really think that because here's all these other great reasons as to why it's a yes. <laughs> and so that's, I guess, the contrast, you know, between hearing the splenic decision and then getting the mind and having the mind back it up versus hearing the splenic decision or information and then having the mind contradict it. It can be really subtle, right? Because I know in the relationship scenario that I just explained, like I would feel that no, and then I would have all these thoughts, and then I would label the splenic no as fear. And because I have a history of being somebody that is very ambitious about personal growth, I'd be like, oh, well, that's fear. So like, let's work through it, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that is all the mind. And there is certainly a place for the mind. But I didn't have the awareness then that I do now. I couldn't differentiate, oh, that was my spleen. And so it was really easy for me to label it as fear. And again, if you look at the language in human design, like every gate in the spleen has a fear side, right? So now we get into the very interesting topic of like identifying the different flavors of fear. And I don't know that we'll get into all of this right now, but I think there's like a neutral, the the spleen carries this neutral fear in its whole complete integrated state where it's like, oh, you know, I don't want to get eaten by this tiger here. So I'm going to go I'm going to go sit in the car if you're on a safari or whatever. Like that is a good fear, right? I think a lot of times in the personal growth space, fear gets this bad rap that again, similar to deconditioning, we're trying to eliminate it. We're trying to like transcend it completely. And being a splenic authority, there's a really interesting relationship that we get to navigate between quote unquote healthy fear And when are we spinning out on a fear that's not? And a lot of times for me, the fear that's been the kind that doesn't serve me is the the mental spinning out fear. So to go back to that example, right? It's like I felt the splenic no around a specific relationship, you know, situation that maybe came up. And then my mind would come in with its own fear and be like, oh no, but like, maybe it was a fear of leaving. Maybe it was a fear of upsetting someone, whatever the situation was. Then my mind would use that fear to override my splenic no, which you, I even 
hesitate to say the splenic no is fear, right? Because now it's like getting very meta and we're using fear in a lot of different ways. I hope that example was helpful as well. I think I'm going to I think I'm going to wrap it here on my personal experience and just summarize really quickly. So with this journey of tuning into my spleen more, having a calm nervous system has been by far the most important foundational thing, which for everybody will look different, right? But for me, it was the bean protocol, getting enough sleep. I mean, a huge part has been also just the change in my lifestyle, like slash career, living in a less dense area, like all these things play into it. But whatever that looks like for you. And something I'll mention on the calm nervous system piece, regarding technology, I have no notifications on on my phone. Uh, and that's been the case for, actually, maybe it's been the case for the whole time I've had a phone. I can't really remember when I've ever really had notifications on, which is crazy because, again, when I worked in tech, like everybody has their notifications on. But if you just try it, like we're reaching, I'm, I'll say, fine. I reach for my phone plenty of times throughout the day and I'm, I've never really missed anything that important. So for me, like every time I, and I think this is also because I'm a left brain, left mind. So like, and I was talking to Katie Delbo about this too. On, I did an, an interview with her on her podcast. It just totally interrupts my flow and it also stimulates my nervous system. So that's just like a quick thing that I feel really passionate about as well. And the other thing has just been patience, space, and time. I guess it's three things. But in this relationship that I've developed with my spleen, it's important to remember it's a relationship, right? And so if you have ignored this part of yourself, which I did for decades, right? It's okay for it to take some time. Like I almost can picture the spleen as this like wild creature, right? To go to the primal instincts piece. And you're like, learning hey buddy it's safe like talk to me and on the time piece regarding decisions that I'm not sure about yet that's okay I don't force myself to make a decision and this is something for all authorities but I see so often our minds want a decision but it's just not time yet also because I'm a split definition too sometimes I'll actually hear my spleen tell me something but then I'm like eh, I'm gonna wait because I don't feel totally integrated yet so that's something else is just with giving myself more time and inviting more ease into making decisions. It's given my spleen a chance to kind of pop in when it feels like it and I'm not forcing it to. Oh, and on the physical side, I forgot to mention no caffeine. Well, no caffeine, <laughs> asterisk. I still have a relationship to cacao, but like I haven't had coffee for years. You know, with the bean protocol, I gave up kombucha as well. And I'm like, eh, I'm kind of fine without it. I'm still working on the cacao piece that's a little off and on. But caffeine also stimulates our, I think it's adrenaline, you know, that's just kind of like amped response, which can also take us out of a more relaxed state. So those are my personal things that have been really helpful. Yours might be different, but, you know, you feel free to try those. And I think that's it for now. I would love to hear your thoughts or reflections if you are a splenic authority. I learn so much from all of your comments on things. So I haven't been super active on social media, but I'll, I'll make a post about this, I think, thinking out loud here. And I would love to hear if there's anything that's come up for you. And if this was helpful, feel free to share it. I really appreciate that or leave a review and I'll see you next time.